Hi, this is The Saucer Afterlife, wherein we tie up loose ends, have second thoughts, provide updates, and respond to feedback. So, some feedback first. On Twitter, a listener speculated that Martin Cannon might actually be author Peter Lavenda. I don't know if this is true, but there are some interesting parallels. I've also heard that Cannon might have been a manufactured persona that was used to provide disinformation to discredit the entire abduction phenomenon and claims about it being of alien origins. So now to uh, what I wanted to talk about for just a couple minutes today. So I read Whitley Strieber's newest book, A New World, after finishing production on our Controllers episode, and I wanted to share some thoughts with you about that. Um, looking at the book through the eyes of somebody who has just spent way too long reading the Controllers. First, let me say that I have uh, I have some respect for Strieber's writing over the years, and I don't want to come across as dismissive of his experiences or ideas. Actually, my reaction to him has always been one of uh, sort of bemusement and a little bit of ambivalence. I've never really been quite sure what to think of him. Fortunately, as one gets older, one realizes that one does not actually have to have an opinion about everything. And also, I just want to say here from the outset, I really think you need to go read A New World. Uh, whatever you might think about Streber, uh, it's an interesting book, and we'll probably be talking about it at some point over the next few months. Here's the thing. A lot of this book, especially near the end, is given over to Streber's discussion of, uh, of an implant he received once upon a time. Despite the fact that it, it, it and I was unclear on this, it disappeared from scans, it moves around, nobody can really find it sometimes, other times they can. Anyway, regardless of whether or not it's appearing on conventional medical scans, he perceives that it's still there and that it was doing something weird or at least something different. And this began in September of 2015, quote, I realized that I could see a neat oblong slit in my right eye. It was filled with movement. When I concentrated, I could see words racing past, but too fast to read more than the fact that they appeared to be typing. It was perhaps the most familiar of all fonts, courier, end quote. So this is odd, right? I mean, I would say Times New Roman is a much more familiar font than Courier, unless you're, you know, sort of an old school typewriter person. And I, I've, I've, I'm resisting saying just OK, Boomer, to his, oh, Courier, yes. Anyway, I find it interesting, though, that he would take such careful note of the font. And fonts carry connotations. I mean, would you believe anything transmitted into your field of vision in Comic Sans? I think not. So he's getting words or images of words through this, this implant, and they're appearing sort of Google Glass-like in front of his field of vision. So what are these words? What are, they, what are they for? He says that when he was working on things, he would see words that would increase what he calls, quote, the richness of my associative process, end quote. And also that this enriched associative process added to the, quote, depth that's the word he used, depth of his writing. But it does, quote, he says this too, quote, it does more than provide enhanced association. It is also a marvelous research tool, end quote. So sort of like Wikipedia showing up in your field of vision. But that wasn't all. And it, was, it wasn't just help with background research or, or things like that. Quote, 
it has also provided me with unique insights, such as the material on the social consequences of overpopulation, the relevance of the mystery of the fine structure constant to understanding the nature of reality, and many, many other things, end quote. So that's a lot of stuff. It's providing content. It's providing ideas. And in fact, he says, quote, I can say this book has two authors, me and my implant. As to who might be doing all that work, I once asked it, who are you? The reply came back at once and slowly enough to read clearly. It's me, Anne, end quote. So the implant allows him, apparently, he perceives, to communicate with Anne, his wife who died in, in August of 2015. And after visiting with some very terrestrial men who talked to him about the implant, he came to this conclusion, quote, I no longer think that the implant has anything much to do with non-humans. The fact that I didn't learn to use it until after Anne passed away and that it continues what she did when she was alive, which was to be a fabulously brilliant muse to this struggling scribbler. And what I learned has convinced me that it is a communicator between the living and the dead, end quote. And he hopes that more people will be able to experience this. And he does acknowledge that such a tool could be open to abuse. Now, the idea that the abduction phenomenon, the, the visitors have some connection to our souls, some connection to an afterlife or, or an other place, this is not something that, that has just appeared in Streber's work in this book. But it's, it's interesting. So... Like I said, I read this book after spending a lot of time looking over the controllers and, and associated materials, and it shouldn't surprise you to hear that my first thought was that Streber was being manipulated through this implant, that the connection presented as being to his beloved wife was, was being used by the controllers as some sort of emotional lever, and this had been going on maybe for years. And what surprised me was how locked in I was to this idea almost immediately, as soon as I read some of the, well, much more than what I've quoted to you. But as soon as I read that, I was like, yep, boom, that's it. And that struck me a little bit because I usually don't get locked into firm opinions about this kind of stuff. Usually, like I suggested at the beginning, my reaction to Streber traditionally has been bemused ambivalence. But like I talked about in the Controllers episode, that theory and the associated mind control stuff that I've been looking at for years and years and years, that stuff had gotten its hooks into me over, uh, over time. Which leads me to this. How easy is it to let one particular viewpoint dominate how you see weird stuff? And it sneaks up on you, whether it's metamaterials, government disinformation, the John Keel super spectrum stuff, channeling every idea through what Jacques Vallée had written to make sure that it matches up with what our great favorite Frenchman says, any of this stuff, whether you're a hardcore kick the tires, their physical craft from other worlds type of person, or you're a, a secret space program type of person or whatever, it's easy to view all this stuff through one prism. And a lot of times you might not even know you do that. You can make gestures toward other explanations, but a lot of times we're as rigid in our thinking about this as, as those we declare to be way too rigid in their thinking about this. I'm not narrow-minded like those flying saucer UFO nuts and bolts type because I've read John Keel and Jacques Vallée and I've watched Hellier and I know the real deal. You, you, you're, you're locked in. You, you're open-minded in a way that is sometimes kind of closed. And so am I. 
and that's something I realized very much after uh, after doing that controllers episode and then reading uh, reading Streber. We have blind spots, and my blind spot became much more apparent uh, after doing this, and my, my sort of bent toward the government chicanery explanation. As I read A New World, it reinforced my thinking about Streber and those who've had similar experiences in terms of being victims of disinformation and experimentation and abuse by very earthly powers. Which, you know, may not be correct, because reading that book also made it very clear to me that Streber has finally become a contactee, which moves him into a different sort of way of thinking for how I've, you know, sort of framed this stuff over the years. But uh, Streber as contactee, uh, sort of classic contactee with a capital C, that's a discussion for another time. So there it is, just some additional post-episode thoughts and uh, and revisitations and ideas. And uh, to finish up here, one scheduling update. We're pushing Daniel Fry back a little bit because I found some stuff I didn't know existed and I didn't want to run the risk of, of not having enough time uh, to do the best possible job on uh, <clears throat> Dr. Daniel Fry. So um, we're going to have a particularly fun and bizarre read these books episode uh, next up. And in related news, this is the last time I announce the next topic at the end of the episode because it always jinxes the entire process. Thank you for listening to this first and, and hopefully not last installment of The Saucer Afterlife. Our associate producer is Simpson J. Hanover III, and our music was by the Chizomedia Radiophonic Workshop. Talk to you later. <laughs>